Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continuously be in my mouth. So shall make a boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Certainly we gather online this morning to magnify the name of Jesus. Don't get it twisted. The goal is always Jesus. I I really am really so excited to be hanging out with you guys once more. Uh, And again, uh, a little sad again that we're not able to gather as a body, but nevertheless, grateful for the opportunity before us to be able to sing about the praises of Jesus and to be able to proclaim the praises of Jesus through the airwaves. Won't you do me a favor? Grab your Bible, get to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, when you get there, go to chapter six. I think you're going to find our lesson there today. As we're heading there to Matthew chapter six, let let me just say uh, we are back at it again and we are meeting today once again in a very unconventional way, uh, gathering through technology. Uh, But let me take a quick moment to pastor our young church, those of you who are connected to our church through membership, attending, and those of you who are on your way towards membership. We are um, certainly thinking about you. I've been praying for you. In fact, I will go so far as to say there's not a day that's gone by uh, that I haven't thought about you and prayed for you. Uh, And so uh, I, I pray that you guys are doing well. I pray that you guys are navigating this crazy season we're in and Pray that Jesus Christ is um, bringing you some comfort and bringing you some joy in the midst of the chaos. He's certainly able to do that. Somebody just type in amen right there. Do me a favor. Look at verse, verse number five. So Matthew chapter six, verse five, just two verses today. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. And at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Do me a favor, just underline that phrase. That becomes important. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. I want to preach this morning on the topic entitled Lockdown Prayers. If I can be honest with you, over the last couple of weeks, uh, the Lord really has been dealing with me in regards to prayer and 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 really consistency in prayer, but also instructions on how to pray. Because some people are consistent, but they just don't know how to pray. And so I think the text is going to tutor us well today. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we are back at it again, and we're asking, oh God, like we do every single time we gather around your word, that you would speak to us. You would speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your word. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Shut my mouth if I add to the text or if I take anything away. Oh God, but whatever is laid before us is good for us today. I pray that it would be uh, nourishment to our body today as we dig in. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lockdown prayers. When putting together a new piece of furniture... Um, there's really two types of people. If you're on this live right now, trust me, you're in one or two of these categories. In fact, I'd love for y'all to interact online right now and kind of chat about which one you are. Whenever we're putting together a piece of furniture that we've just gotten, there's two types of people. The first person is somebody that I'm not. But some of y'all are this type of person. My wife is. 
that you'll pull out the box and you'll pull out the instructions of the box and you'll open up the, the instructions and you'll take out the 10,000 pieces that are in the box and all of the screws and you'll lay everything and you're so organized, whatever. You're so organized and you'll lay everything out and you'll begin to build based on the instructions and all of the pieces you have. Now, there's another type of person that's more like me. You, you, you're not looking at no instructions. You take the instructions out, you put them somewhere else, and you don't even refer to the instructions. You build based on the picture on the box. I know y'all out there. I know I'm not the only one that does it. You set that box up and you build that coffee table and you take those screws and you try to figure it out based on mimicking what is on the box. And the passage before us is interesting because it's not just telling us to pray, it's giving us the instructions on prayer. Jesus essentially is saying to us this morning, don't be careless with your prayer life as you are your coffee table. He's saying to us this morning, take out the instructions that are found. I mean, he's literally about to tell us how to pray. And what better teacher on prayer than Jesus Christ? He says, Here's some instructions that I have for you on how to pray. And certainly many of us have been stuck in the house for weeks. In fact, at this point, we've been stuck in the house for months at this point. And without commute times and for some of you, less work on your plate, not everybody, but some of you have less work on your plate because you are working from home and some of you have no work on your plate. I just wonder what we're doing with our time in this season. I've been on social media. I've been checking out some of y'all. Some of y'all have picked up some great hobbies. You've learned new instruments. Shout out to Rob. You, some of you have been working out. I've been watching y'all, Brittany and Tracy, and y'all been working out every single day. Some of y'all have been digging into new books. One of the guys I disciple, we, we picked up a new book and we're going through a book club and starting to work through and, and trying to learn some new stuff and, and engage our minds in new ways. Some of us are doing mindless activities, and I'm guilty of it as well, where we are watching Netflix. We, we've gone through entire seasons in a day, and we're trying to check out all this stuff, and we're catching up on all of this Netflix stuff. But here's my question. How many of us, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to bring something so convicting right off the top of the sermon, but it's important for us to at least ponder. How many of us have prioritized prayer in this season? Sit on that for a second. Just, just think about that for a second. I, I usually don't like a silence of the sermon. I, I like the thing to flow, but let, let me just sit there for a second. I want you to ponder and even type in how many of us have prioritized prayer in this season. Truth is, some of you have. Some of you will go so far as to say, man, I have never prayed so much before. I got sick loved ones. I'm praying for finances. I'm praying for protection. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my block, my community. Some of you have never had such a developed, mature prayer life than you do right now. But then there's another group of us. And, and I just want to be put my cards on the table early. Notice I said group of us. There's another group of us that wish that we were more consistent in prayer. We wish in this season that we had the faithfulness and the diligence that Jesus had when he prayed, but certainly some of us have not been consistent. Do you know that prayer literally aligns you with the heart of God? That prayer 
Prayer is that thing that doesn't get God on your page, but gets you on God's page. It's been my experience that most people develop a better prayer life when they get to know Jesus more and more and more and more. And so I, I just wonder in this time what it looks like in our life to prioritize prayer, to make it essential in our life, to make it the air we breathe. Well, our pastor is going to help us with that this morning. Matthew chapter 6 is interesting because Jesus has been preaching since Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. He started the sermon in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. He actually ends the sermon in Matthew 7 uh, verse 27. And so for three straight tra- chapters, Jesus just preaches and preaches and preaches, but he gets in the middle of the, the, the sermon and begins to give us a lesson on prayer. He begins to tell us how to pray. He, he's not pushing just consistency. He's pushing a developed prayer life. What does it look like to walk with the Lord and through communication? And what better teacher than Jesus Christ to give us instructions on prayer? Nothing else will show your dependency. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Nothing else shows your dependency like prayer. Somebody just help me preach and type that in. Nothing else shows your dependency on God like prayer. Prayer is essential to the believer. Prayer is that thing that shows God that we are serious about our relationship with him and we are not going through life haphazardly and and not going through life willy-nilly. No, we're going through life dependent. Dependent on who? The one who has all the answers. And so Jesus here gives us instructions, but before he does, he makes an assumption. Before he gives us instructions, he gives us an assumption. It's really underneath the text, but you got to kind of just rock with your boy for a second. Verse five says, and when you pray. I don't know why these first four words really arrested my attention. When you pray. The reason this arrested my attention, because I realized Jesus does not say if you pray. His assumption off the top is that his audience has a prayer life. In fact, he doesn't just say it in verse five. He says in verse five, when you pray, he says it again in verse six. But when you pray and then verse seven, he says it again. And when you pray, the repetitive nature of what Jesus is saying teaches us something. And here's what it teaches us, that he assumes that the people he's writing to actually communicates with God. If it said, if you pray, I could understand that a little more, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus assumes in his audience prays. And so therefore I feel the need today to start where Jesus felt no need. And here's my starting point. How consistent are we with prayer? Does this verse convict you that Jesus says, and when you pray? I don't know if it convicts you. You're probably way more spiritual than I am, but I realize over the last several weeks, there have been a few things that I've prioritized over prayer, sleeping being one of them. I don't know what it is about this season. I think it's just being home. It's like in the beginning, I had no rhythm. And so therefore, I slept more than anything. But God convicted me when I read this. And when you pray, because I'm like, ah, you're giving me instructions on prayer, but you're starting assuming that I pray. So Father, forgive me. Help me to be more consistent in prayer. Maybe you need some verses on consistency of prayer. Do me a favor, type these in, if you will. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. 
It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, note the word every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here's another one, Jeremiah. I love this one, verse 33, chapter 33, verse three. It says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great things that you do not know. Here's another one, Psalms chapter 18, verse six. I hope y'all are writing these, Psalms 18, verse six. In my distress, I call to the Lord. I cry to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. One more verse because I, I, I'm, I'm loving these texts. Do me a favor, type this one in. First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16 and 17. Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Over and over and over again, the scriptures are pleading with us to develop a consistent life of communication with God, but Jesus does not deem it necessary to start there. He assumes that his audience knows how to pray and when you pray. And when you pray, not that if, and when you pray, I just want to challenge you. Maybe you have that prayer life down packed, but if you don't, if you're like me and you would lay your cards on the table and say, I need to do better with prayer, do me a favor, just type that in. I want to do better with communicating with God. So in verse number five, he starts there. He says, when you pray. There's a few things that I believe have hindered us from consistency in prayer. There's just a couple of things. I think one of the main hindrances in prayer is, I kind of said this at the top of the sermon, one of the main hindrances in prayer is that we actually think we're more independent than we are. Again, if prayer shows me dependency on God, lack of prayer shows me that I don't think I really need God to get through life. I can just be independent. In fact, we think that's a sign of maturity. It's not. Not in the Christian faith. When you walk with God, the sign that you are maturing is not independency. The sign that you are maturing is actually dependency. And so I think many of us don't bombard the throne of grace because we think that we don't need God. We it theologically will say we do, but practically we operate as though we're independent. I don't know about y'all, but I need them. Like I need them every moment, every second, every millisecond, I need God. And so therefore, my prayer life should be robust. And oftentimes, if it's not robust, it's because I think I'm independent. You, you know what else hinders us from prayer? Technology. I, I mean, if you can't pray for 30 minutes without checking your Facebook, you should close your account and never open that account again. Why do we allow distractions around us to stop us from digging into real prayer time? We start out praying. I know some of y'all do this. I do it all the time. We start out praying, but then next thing we know, we're on Facebook and on Instagram and we're looking at memes. And the reason we do that is because technology has caused us to be distracted when God is like, I want your full attention. Do you realize that you are at the throne of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord, I bet you in ancient times, if you went to a king and stood before his throne and was careless with your time and careless with your words, it would cause you to be to have to be put to death. But but here we are with the king of kings and we mosey into his presence 
into his presence distracted. I think technology has often hindered us. And so Jesus says here, I have an assumption that I'm going to make when you pray. Here's my question to you. Do you believe God exists? If that's you, if you would say yes, do you believe that he actually cares? Do you believe that he actually hears you? Let me go deeper. Do you believe that God can actually answer the the, the petition that you have laid before him, if you would answer yes to those questions, then you should get to the throne of grace today and begin to develop a prayer life. So Jesus says here in the beginning, but when you pray. And then he goes on and he says some instructions on prayer. But what's interesting to me, did, did you know this, that the Lord's prayer, I don't know if you see that in the inscription above the text, right above verse five for me, in my Bible, it says the Lord's prayer. Before Jesus teaches us on prayer, he teaches us how not to pray. Don't miss this. Before Jesus gives us any instructions on what to do in prayer, he tells you what not to do. He says, and when you pray, you must not be, watch this, like the hypocrites. But what's interesting to me that Jesus says don't be like the hypocrites is if you remove the word hypocrite, their behavior actually seems legit to me. It says here, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Here it is. For they love to stand in the, uh, and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. When I first read this, I, I actually thought the hypocrites had a pretty legit prayer life. I mean, they're praying in the synagogue. Would you not want to pray in the synagogue? In fact, Pharisees back in ancient times would pray three times a day in the synagogue. Why why would I not want to pray in the synagogue? And then I go on and I read that they're not only praying in the synagogue, but the Bible just said that they are praying at the street corners. Why would I not want to pray on the street corners? I was a little confused. Your boy was like, God, you called them, Jesus, you called them a hypocrite, but then you said that they're praying in the synagogue and that they're praying on the street corners. I'm like, man, I want that type of prayer life. But then I kept reading. I do not think that Jesus is is rebuking them for how they pray or where they pray. He's not rebuking them on the location. He's not saying that they shouldn't pray in the synagogues, and he's certainly not saying that they shouldn't pray uh, on the street corners. I said, okay, maybe he's rebuking them for posture. It clearly says here that they love to stand and pray. Maybe Jesus is like, ah, you should actually be kneeling, but that would throw a half of our prayers. I mean, more than half of our prayers. In fact, it would throw out the prayer I prayed before I just started preaching because I was standing up. But when I read scripture, I don't see people rebuke for standing and praying. Job chapter 30, write this down, verse 20. I cry to you for help and you do not answer me. Here it is. I stand and you look at me. In other words, Job stood while praying and was not rebuked. Same way with Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26. She says, oh my Lord, I am a woman who is standing in your presence praying to the Lord and Hannah was not rebuked. So Jesus is not rebuking his audience, the hypocrites. He's not rebuking them for their posture of prayer. He is not rebuking them for the places they are praying. He's rebuking them if you keep reading because of the B part, it says that they pray that they may be seen by others. Again, Jesus is giving us instructions on prayer, but he's first telling us how not to pray. Here's prayer 101. Do not pray for an audience that is around you, but pray for an audience of one. 
Jesus just said that they are praying and they're hypocrites because they are praying so that they can be seen by others. When you pray to God, even if you do so in a public space, make sure that you are praying to God, not entertaining people. You should type that into the chat somewhere. Make petitions to God, not entertainment for people. Oftentimes, we, this is why many of us, we, we will rehearse our prayers. We rehearse our prayers because we want to sound more eloquent and deep than we really are instead of just giving God. You ever had that prayer where all you had was, Lord, help me. I don't have any deep, eloquent words to say. I just need your divine Presence. He's saying here, listen, when, when you pray, don't pray so that you are seen by others. I, I love this quote. R.A. Torrey says it this way. We should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or private, until we have definitely, uh, until we, are, we are definitely conscious that we have come into the presence of God and are actually praying to him. I can't tell you how many people, especially in corporate or public prayers, that or even on Facebook, I can't tell you how many people have posted their prayers, not because they're actually wanting to get to the audience of God, but they want to entertain people. They want to floss before people. Jesus says that, that that's not how you pray. One of my main instructions for you is to make sure that you are not flossing before people. And so I, I, I want to encourage you. I, I don't know who you are, but I, I don't even know what your motive is when you pray. But this text challenges me today to make sure that I am actually praying to the one who actually can answer my prayer, an audience of one, an audience of one, audience of one. That's who I want to pray to. I want to pray to God. And so he says here, he says, listen, don't be like the hypocrites. They, they love to stand in the synagogues. They love to stand on the street corners. And I'm not rebuking them for that, but I'm rebuking them because they do that to be seen by others. Father, would you search my heart so that you can actually see that I want to pray to you and you alone? He says, truly, they've ever, they have received their reward. Their, their reward was actually them being heard by others, not the answered prayer or the unanswered prayer. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, Shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who is in secret will reward you. I love this because this is speaking once again to, to the idea of wanting for God and God alone to hear you. How consistent is this verse with the season we're in? Go in your house, shut the door, Pray to your father who is in secret. That, that is so consistent with our lives right now. Many of us have time on our hands. And with the time that you have on your hands, would you do me a favor and just apply Matthew chapter 6, verse 6? Go into your room. Go into your house and shut the door. Jesus here is not rebuking us for public prayers. I just want to put that out there. That Jesus is not coming against corporate prayer. Maybe you have a prayer call with your friends and maybe some of y'all have jumped on a Zoom and you, you, on that Zoom, you, you simply just spent time praying. Jesus is telling you, he's not saying don't do that. And in fact, if he was saying that, he's actually contradicting himself because before he raises Lazarus from the dead, the Bible tells me in John chapter 11 that Jesus prayed publicly and he said, Father, I know you hear me. 
I, I know you always hear me. You, you and I are like this. You always hear me. But I say this on the count of these standing around me that they may hear and believe. So Jesus is not rebuking us for corporate prayers. He's simply just saying, get some time alone with God. Pray to God in secret. Go, go into your room. That, that's kind of hard for some of us here in New York. Let's just be honest. You know, the square footage here in New York, we, we don't have a lot of square feet. I, th- I think the average uh, apartment size in New York is about 800 square feet. That, that's not that many square feet. And so it's, sometimes it's hard to find a spot. But, but there's two things I, I want to present before you. Number one, consider with me looking around your apartment, looking around your house and finding a spot that you can designate to communicate with God. I don't know where that is. I don't know if you have uh, just a small closet or if you have a room, a basement, any place that you could get alone with God. I'm told of a story of of a young lady. She had eight kids. She was in a three-bedroom apartment. And in the story, it goes on that she, she had a consistent prayer life, but didn't have anywhere in the house to pray because every single part of the house was occupied by one of her children. And so what she did was when it was time for her to pray, she would sit in the middle of the living room and she would take a sheet and she would put it over her hair and that, and that would, her head, and that would signify that mama was now communicating with God. I wonder if we could get creative like that in our times of need, if we could designate a spot that every time you walk by it, you'd be like, that's where I talk to God at. And some of you, it might not even be in the house. Hey, here's the second thing I wanted to lay before you. Maybe, now again, we're confined, so use wisdom here, but maybe you just need to walk around an empty block around your house and walk around that block and that's your secret place that you can go and talk to God. I know some of y'all work out, maybe on your jog or as you were running or as you're exercising, maybe you can spend that time communicating with God. He says in verse six, go into your house and pray to me. What I love about prayer is that prayer for the Christian is not confined to a specific location. It's not. I mean, you, you literally could be, if we weren't confined to our houses because of COVID-19, you could be in the middle of Midtown and get to the throne of grace without any appointments, without getting on God's schedule and on his calendar. You can lift up a prayer in front of nine million people. But I love prayer because you can also do so at your house. In your home, you could actually get to God. And so God, God, God says here, Jesus says here, listen, I'm not, I'm not coming down on you on your posture. I'm not, I'm not coming down to you specifically on location. It is about the heart. I want to know if you could spend time in this season putting away Netflix for just a little bit, do half the season. And do the other half of that time that you would have devoted to the season of watching Netflix, devote that to consistent prayer. And here's the reality. Here's what I love about prayer. What, what I love mostly about prayer, it is it because it, it's a pointer to the gospel. Stay with me. Prayer is a pointer that the gospel accomplished exactly what it said. 
You got to understand something about the gospel. The gospel will tell me that God is holy. I am not holy and I'm not allowed in his presence. But because of Jesus Christ, he has bridged the gap between a holy God and sinful man. And prayer is one of the ways that I get to see that the gospel work because when I pray, I get to get in the presence of God. Here's what Hebrews will say. Hebrews will say, come boldly before his throne of grace. You ain't got to tiptoe into prayer. You, you don't have to be timid when you walk into prayer. Here's what Hebrews says. Come boldly before the throne of grace. I, I wonder how many of us are misusing our time. I wonder how many of us, maybe you're not misusing your time. Maybe you are consistent with prayer, but you need to tighten up how we pray. Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you today. I want to pray for you today that you would be so robust in your communication with God. God is, he misses you. He ain't tired of you. He's not in heaven going, oh my God, too many people are praying at once. No, he delights to hear from you today. Whether you know him or not, you can talk to him. You, You can communicate with him. And what I love about communicating with God is it's not like communicating with friends. You ever text a friend and and when you text them, you expected a text right back. You saw the bubble come up, but they didn't actually respond back because you knew they were thinking and they were talking and then they just did, they stopped communication. That's not how God does. In fact, I, I love to read one last passage to you. And uh, after I read it, I'll just simply pray for us. Luke chapter 11. Here's what the Bible says about God with prayer. It says, what father among you, if his son asked for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God gives great gifts and he does so when we ask him. As long as it's aligned with his will, here's how prayer works for me. I want God to hear everything. I tell God everything and I only want him to answer what's according to his will because whatever is according to his will should be acceptable to me. Let me pray for you and pray for our time because I really do believe that in this season, God does desire to hear from us. Yeah, we're practicing social distancing, but that doesn't mean we have to practice social distancing from God. We can be near to him while we're practicing social distancing with one another. You should say amen right there. Because you can actually get to God even though we can't be around others. You can't hug others, but you can reach up to heaven and hug God. Father, I pray for everybody that tuned in today. You really do give us good gifts. You, you, and some of the best gifts you have given us was the fact that for some of us, you said no to the prayer because you knew ahead that it would be detrimental for us. And so even in that, Father, we say thank you. Father, we, we desire to have a more consistent prayer life. I thank you for those in this season who have been more serious and diligent. I'm grateful for them. Father, help us to learn from them. But I pray for the one, the young man that, has not talked to you in weeks. That the young lady who has put everything else before you, Father, I pray for that young lady today that you would speak to her today and tell her that you miss her. We thank you, oh God, for your faithfulness and we thank you for the ability to be able to pray to you. You are a good God. 
It's in Christ's name we come before you. Amen. Well, once again, like every week, I just want to say, man, I miss y'all. I'm grateful that you got to hang out with us today. Please stay tuned to our social media. Please stay tuned. If, if you don't have our app, please download our app. Stay tuned as we give you consistent updates about um, what we're doing, what we got going on, what you got going on. And as we continue to connect with you, if you do me a favor, just stay plugged in and stay connected and stay diligent to the Lord. Let me give this, uh, this benediction to you. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the, uh, the glory in the church within us, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us. God bless.